Hello, and welcome to the LYF podcast. This podcast is provided to you by the Love Yourself Foundation, which is an organization here spreading the message of love and more specifically self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has not only in building a better relationship with yourself, but also with your community and with our beautiful planet. We're here to tell you that we're all one. All living beings are connected to each other, to the universe. So we're going to be talking about important topics like mental health, environmental issues, and tying it all back into the self and ways that you can not only empower your relationship with yourself, but also empower your relationship with your community and with our beautiful planet. So if you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at the LY Foundation. You can also check out our website at the lyfoundation.org. And we have a very special new addition to what we're doing. We now have a membership program called the Lifeline Membership Program, which offers support calls, group support calls, free admission to our events, workshops, specialized merch. So we also have special discounts going for students, teachers, frontline workers. So if you want to hear more about this, please go to our website at the LY Foundation slash membership for more info. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome to The Conversation, a LYF podcast series where we provide our insight, thoughts, and experiences on today's topic. My name is JR, IT tech, web admin, and board member of the Love Yourself Foundation. And my name is Ayla, Growth and Development Coordinator for the Love Yourself Foundation. And today is a great day. It's been great vibes for me, JR, and I hope it's been great vibes for you too. Something about today makes me feel positive and super excited for this episode, and I hope you can tell. Absolutely. You can definitely hear it in her voice, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. She's excited. She is ready. And you know what? After the past couple of weeks, I haven't been doing so well, but today I am feeling a lot better and I'm happy that we're able to do the show again. And if people know or didn't know, we were off last week. We took a little mental health break, which is very important and something that we are always adamant about here at LYF. So we wanted to just take a little bit of time for ourselves to gather ourselves go through the things that we were going through to be able to come back and do the show. So it's great to see you, Ayla. It's great to see you too. And I love that you mentioned that because I think a lot of times people think that everyone that talks about self-love and self-care and self-discovery knows what they're doing. They have it all together, <laughs> right. but we're all human and we all need the break. And I think that if you're listening to this and you haven't taken a mental health break in a while, that you definitely should. And that's kind of a lenient into our topic today of self-care. And I know I'm excited to talk about it. Yes. Yeah, self-care is very, very important. And I think everybody understands how important that is about self-care. Maybe some people don't really know how to do self-care or at least do it the way that is good for them. And I know that we both try to practice self-care as much as we can, because that's very important for not only your mental health, but your physical health as well. So that is the topic for today. And let's just get right into it. So with self-care, what is self-care? So I have two definitions here. So this first definition is from the World Health Organization, and they state the ability of individuals, families, and communities to promote health, prevent disease, maintain health and to cope with illness and disability with or without the support of a healthcare provider. There is a reason why I got two definitions because that one is a little, <laughs> you know, over my head. So the simple me needed something a little bit more, you know, understandable. So the second definition English, yeah. that I got, yes, <laughs> is 
taking care of yourself so that you can be healthy, you can be well, you can do your job, you can help and care for others, and you can do all the things you need to and want to accomplish in a day. Yeah, I also saw that definition when I was looking up what I wanted to talk about in the episode, and I'll go over kind of what I found is a good way to explain self-care in just a second, but I think that this episode is so important and this topic is obviously so important because everyone has heard self-care. And I think that commonly there's a big spread of misinformation surrounding it because businesses have taken hold of that term That's right. and told you that you have to buy all the things in order to care for yourself. And that's why I'm really passionate about this episode because self-care doesn't take money. And that's something that I'm very, very a strong believer in. And that's why I think it's so, so important to talk about and make sure that we're doing this episode today to really inform people and have that conversation between ourselves too about what it entails and how to do it in a way that doesn't mean having to go buy candles and and all these things to say that, oh, look, I bought everything I needed to care for myself. So look, I'm caring for myself, you know? Right. So I'm, I'm excited for it. And I'm, I'm glad that you showed the two definitions as well, because there's a lot of ways to look at it. Yeah. And really when it comes down to it too, is just trying to put it in uh, words that make sense to you. Right. That's the reason why I got these two definitions. Cause the first one was a lot of big words, hashtag big words. And <laughs> it's hard to comprehend what it really means to yourself. So that's why I had to go out, find the other definition. And then right away I was like, oh yeah, okay. Now it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. And I also agree with you that it's not something that you have to go out and buy or something that you have to convince yourself that you have to be a part of like a session or a plan or something like that in order pr- to promote self-care. You can do it on your own, but you have to find those things that work for you, right? So hopefully when we get more into this episode, we can show those different examples to everyone who's listening. And also for me and yourself as well, because, you know, we're always learning on these uh, episodes all the time. So I'm really excited to get into it. Yeah. And on that note, the kind of definition that I got put it in a position for me is from Active Minds. And it is that self-care is important to maintaining a healthy relationship with yourself. It means doing things to take care of our minds, bodies, and souls by engaging in activities that promote well-being and reduce stress. Doing so enhances our ability to live fully, vibrantly, and effectively. The practice of self-care also reminds both you and others that your needs are valid and a priority. Mm -hmm. And I think that really sums up what JR was just talking about in the sense that it is up to you to define because it's your relationship with yourself and it's kind of how would you take care of yourself? And that doesn't, maybe it does mean going and buying a candle as part of it, but it's really about finding the ways and to engage in those different activities. And we're going to go through a lot of them today. And I hope that it helps you think about it differently because there's such a wide range of that, that form of taking care of yourself. And I think the most important part of the definition is that you are reminding yourself that you are a priority. And that is something that it should always, always, always be at the the forefront of your, your love for yourself, which is really what we're trying to teach here. I'm glad that you brought that up too. And that was the part of the definition that resonated with me a lot is that last sentence, the practice of self-care 
also reminds both of you and others that needs to be a valid or priority, but showing yourself that you can't forget about yourself in order to bring these things into your life in order to make yourself a better person, you have to be looking out for you. And everything that we talk about always revolves around self-care, self-worth, loving yourself, everything about that, that this is just as important too, that the base of everything is always going to be you. And that's what's important. Yeah. On that note, we can start talking about it. I know we keep hinting about what it's going to be, but we always like to start off with some examples, just so you kind of know what we're getting at here. And I have quite a long list because self-care is not something that is only in one aspect of your life, but you need to care for yourself in every aspect. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to break down each type of self-care piece by piece and talk about what those entail, how we personally do them or don't do them and why that is and kind of work from there. How does that sound, JR? That sounds good to me. I think it's going to be good for everybody to know what these steps are, what these self-care acts are. But, you know, also I'm going to be learning about some stuff too. And I think it's also interesting to note that we're also talking about why don't we do some of these things. I think it's important to kind of see both facets or both sides of the coin when it comes to these practices, because it kind of reveals more about yourself, right? Definitely. Um, Yeah. And I prompt you listening to think about that as well. Like, oh, I didn't realize that was self-care and ask yourself why you are are not doing it. And maybe you aren't doing it because it isn't necessarily important to your self-care. Maybe you aren't doing it because you have habits in place that don't allow you to. And I'm going to talk about that as well. But the central point is that you have to fill your own cup, if you will, before you can pour into others. And this is a message that I've talked about in other episodes as well with having your own well of water that gets drained from time to time, your energy gets drained and you need to replenish that well and replenish the energy inside of you to make sure that you are able to do the things that you're passionate about and that you are obligated to. And so all of these areas are gonna be kind of the important points of how to maintain yourself and make sure that you're happy and doing the things that you need to be doing. So to start is physical self-care. And this includes sleeping. So I'm pretty sure statistics say you need seven to nine hours of Mm -hmm. sleep, depending on your age. I'll go one by one with each category, but starting with physical self-care sleep, that's something that I have always actually personally prioritize. Okay. (laughs) Like no matter what. And I remember in college, I would sit there and I would be going to bed at 8 PM. And have you ever met a college student that would go to bed that early? No, but I knew that like as fun as it would be to go party and go out with people all the time, which I did, you know, have friends where I would go out and maybe till 1am, but I did my best 90% of the time to make sure that I gave myself enough time that when I had to wake up at 6.30 a.m. every morning, because that's mm-hmm. when my day started, that I wasn't tired. And that's that was really kind of, before I even knew self-care and what that was about, for me, sleeping was such a priority because I knew I wanted to set myself up for success. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to care for my body enough to make sure that I did have the energy to do good each day. I would say I'm the opposite of that. <laughs> I th- think the older that I get, especially living on my own, the harder it is for me to find the time to sleep. Or 
I shouldn't say that. There's plenty of time to go to sleep. I think I choose not to go to sleep because I want to do a whole bunch of things, especially in the evening time. For me, I feel the most productive at night. So either I'm editing an episode for a show that I do, or I'm watching something or playing a game or whatever the case may be. I tend to have it bleed into later on in the evening. And as of the past year or so, I find myself going to sleep around two o'clock in the morning, which is not great for your health. I will say that. Do you but still get seven hours of sleep? I think it's more around five, six sometimes, depending on, you know, my body just naturally wakes up at like seven, seven thirty. So what okay. is that? If I go to sleep at two, my math is terrible. Five, five and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. So my question would be, do you feel drained when you wake up? Yes, until that coffee hits some veins. You know, that... <laughs> I want this episode to be honest. Yeah. And that's why I want it to be more personal, because if you can sleep less and not feel like it's impeding your day and it's not hurting your body, more importantly, for your own physical health, then maybe you don't need as much sleep. Maybe you take more naps during the day to replenish. But... I will say the naps have been very good. And before I would, <laughs> I would not take naps. Like I, I would hate going to, to sleep in the midday for like an hour or two, wake up and I always feel like either exhausted or the, the a couple hours of the day have been wasted. But now it's gotten to a point where, you know, I, I wake up when I wake up, do the things I do in the morning, have a meal for lunch and then 30 minutes, an hour sprawled out on the couch, drooling, whatever the case may be. (laughs) Uh, But I feel so much more rested that I feel like I can take on more throughout the day and especially into the night. Yeah. If you are most productive at that time, then that's why this episode is so important to talk about how it's specific to you. For me, after I would say even 4 p.m., I'm not as productive. Mm. And when I was in school, I, I would do my work later just because that's when I had time to do it. And I was able to get my work done. I had the determination, the willpower, whatever it be, but I noticed my best work is done in the morning and my, and that's when your most energy is for me at least. And so I structured my care for myself around what worked for me. And I see, even though you haven't thought about it, I'm guessing that you kind of found what works for you in taking a nap and making sure that you see that you're more productive at night. So maybe you should work at, on things at night. Yeah. I, you know, you, you bring that to light and it makes more sense now to try to talk it through that we're both two different people. And mm-hmm. we both function different ways. Not to say that that's a bad thing. And sometimes I feel like I, I put too much emphasis on the things that are quote unquote, not good for you. So like going to sleep super late and, and all that. But at the end of the day, it really just depends on you. It, it if it works on, if it works for you, then it works for you. And, and at the end of the day, what, everything that we're talking about, it all revolves around you, not anybody else. So I think that a common, I want to say misconception, but a common idea around successful people is that sleep less, Mm -hmm. like spend, everyone has the same 24 hours, spend your 24 hours, as much time as you can working on what you're passionate about. And while I love the effort, (laughs) I think that it is harmful to tell people that they shouldn't prioritize their sleep because yes, you do have a limited amount of time in the day. And if you are spending a third of that sleeping, you're quote unquote, wasting a third of your day. 
but you're also telling people that their physical health isn't important and you're able to be much more productive during those other 16 hours if you have the full amount of sleep that you need. And so it really just comes down to self-reflection of what works for me and can I go down to seven hours? Can I go down to six hours and take a nap? Like, yeah. It's really a reflective process, but I think that sleep is one of those first things that I see as something that kind of reflects where I'm at, how much energy I have, how happy or sad I am. I I can notice that sleep is one of the first thing that either increases or decreases depending on my mood. And so it's obviously something that's important. For sure. And I think going back to what you're talking about, the whole, you know, I wouldn't say societal norms, but that example of, you know, not going to sleep for too long because you're wasting the hours. A lot of that came from what I believe is from that hustle culture mentality. So, you know, they're telling you, and we've seen the videos, you know, all you have to do is go to sleep at midnight, wake up at one o'clock in the morning and start to grind (laughs) all over. I'm like, bruh, are you serious? (laughs) So yeah, it all depends on what you are capable of doing, what is comfortable for you and what works for you. So, yeah. And with everything we're going to talk about today, just because you're not doing something that someone else claims makes them more productive or successful, doesn't mean that you'll be any less. Mm -hmm. And I know that for me, when I hear people say, oh, you got to start your day at 5 a.m. to be the most successful. I'm like, that's not happening for me. Like, there's nothing that will get me to, I would have to go to bed at literally 6 p.m. the day before. So it's just (laughs) (laughs) to get me to wake up before the sun is up. It's something that's really important to me. So it's just really about building that confidence in your decisions and knowing that you're living the best life for you. Right. And so with that, still on the topic of physical self-care, the other, I'll break it up into two sections. The first three are stretching, walking, and exercise. And these are things that you think of, or at least for me as physical care, like taking care of your body. But I think a lot of times, and I've, I can speak from experience when I'm sad or even have gotten into a depression, taking care of my physical body is one of the first things that leaves, Mm. leaves for me. I don't want to go to the gym. I actually like, that's probably the time I have the least, probably 0% energy to get up and go to the gym when I'm feeling that way. And I think that we need to prioritize more the connection between our physical body and our minds and how our souls really need both to be active in some way in order to be doing well. And that's why it is categorized as self-care because you need to make sure that you're taking care of your body to make sure that you're taking care of your happiness. And I would say the same as well. The times when I go to the gym, there is a correlation with going through a workout, whether it's 30 minutes, an hour, and then leaving the gym and feeling good Mm -hmm. about yourself and being able to tackle the rest of the day because you have all this energy going through your body. There's, it's just, There is that link between the two that makes that self-care practice that much more important because right now I will tell you, I'm not going to the gym. I I do personal training with our good friend, Phil, who is also an OIF and those times when I'm there with him and he's helping me work through some things, I feel great after that day, but I don't carry that throughout the rest of the week. You know, I only go see him once a week. So it's just one of those those things where if you're not in that right mental state, if you're not in the right headspace to want to be pushing your body to do these workouts, to move to whatever it may be, 
that also too leaves me as well. So I, I think that if I were to get myself to understand that more, have a better relationship with working out, that it does provide me that good feeling that I would do it more often. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just trying to get yourself out the door and, and putting the gym clothes on. Maybe not That's in that order. Part. Let's go the other <laughs> way. Put the clothes on, then leave. <laughs> Whatever works for you. Right. That that can, you know, add more to your self-love. I think that being active is important. And a lot of times we think it's okay, I gotta go to the gym and do this whole workout regimen for an hour. And the whole idea of that, when you aren't in that place and you've never done that before, is stressful in itself, at least for me, because I'm like, I have no idea what that looks like and I have no idea how to do it. And so now, not only is it hard to go to the gym, it's also another obstacle because I'm telling myself I don't know what I'm doing. And I almost am, am tempted to look up who it was, but I have a subscription to Masterclass actually. And if you don't know what that is, if you're listening or UJR, it's basically different classes from world leaders in different areas. And so like Gordon Ramsay will teach cooking and Christina Aguilera will teach singing. And so there's totally a wide range of things that you can learn. And I wish I knew his name, but it was an athlete teaching about working out. And I was like, okay, I don't know anything about what I'm supposed to be doing. I try, Mm -hmm. but maybe I'll see like what he tells me I'm supposed to be doing. And he, his whole focal point, and this is connected directly is working out is, is so hard to get ourselves to do because we're trying to do something that we think we're supposed to do. Like we're supposed to go and lift on a bench and do all these things. And he, he said, the best workout for you to do is the one that you enjoy doing. And for me, that's so simple and something you should know, like something that should be inherent for you to know, but I never looked at it that way. And I never looked at it as, oh, I really enjoy yoga. And so maybe if I could get myself to do yoga classes, or I like doing Zumba and that's working out. So I could go to Zumba classes. Like he says, the best thing for you to do is choose those things. Maybe it is walking around the block, maybe whatever it is, you know? And so I think that when it comes to caring for yourself, it's knowing one, how to care for yourself, but also kind of reflecting on what do I want that to look like? And I think that's the fun part for me because you can, there's so many options for you. Right. Yeah. And you know, you bring up a good point about that because we all do it, right? We are all on social media. We're looking at the videos of people working out. We're looking at the transfer body transformation pictures, all that stuff. But I can never in my mind know what it is that I need to do for myself to get to that point. You know, I'm always just like, oh, this is so cool. They're able to push this much weight or they lost this much weight or they look like this now. How do I adapt that to to me? Because every time I walk into the gym, I'm always looking around as to what it is that I want to do. I know the different exercises. I know, you know, the machines and all that stuff. I understand all that, but it's never something where I'm just like, oh, I'm going to the gym and I'm going to do this because this is so much fun. All of it just is terrible for me. (laughs) So it's, I walk in there and I already have the wrong mindset, you know, that if I were to find something that I actually enjoy, that I would be going to the gym more. What I wish for myself is that I was able to do deadlifts or squats because it looks so interesting. It looks so fun, 
but I understand my physical capability is not able to do something like that because of an injury that I had endured a couple of years ago on my back. So doing those movements is not good for me. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I say that, there's two you know, outlooks of that. One outlook is, well, I'll never be able to do it. So what's the point of going to the gym? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. The other side of it is, well, there's other things that I can do that may mimic those movements but it still allows me to build those parts of my body. Mm-hmm. I want to take the other route and say that, okay, instead of putting a, a rack of plates on my back, take a kettlebell. This is the same thing. Maybe it's a little bit different, but you still do the same action. And you have to start there. Right. And I think a lot of times we see other people doing these crazy weights and cool movements and sometimes I'm at the gym and I'm like whoa what are, where'd they learn that from like I've never <laughs> seen anybody do that before not sure if we're supposed to but I know that like you shouldn't just attempt something that big if even if you think that oh it's cool you know all those things because you do have to train your muscles and you mm-hmm. also have to have that kind of compassion for yourself going back to an earlier episode right. to say I want to build up to doing that one day and I want to you know, start building the muscles in my back. So maybe that, that injury that I had, he feels more healed properly, or I feel more capable to do something like that. And I have not obviously the same scenario, but similar things where I feel kind of like in a stuck position because I want to be somewhere, but I don't want to do the work to get there. (laughs) And I think that like it, in general, the entirety of all the topics of self-care, it excites me because it, gives you so much freedom of choice to to give yourself the options and to try out different things and and know what works for you yeah i love that it all comes down to that choice what is it that you want to do if that's what you want to do then go do it Mm -hmm. but don't try to stop yourself before you even start you know and just talking that out saying that out loud puts me in a better mindset also just yeah. Okay. You haven't been to the gym in a while. Sure. You might not be able to squat because of your back. There's so many other things that you can do. All you got to do is just walk through the door and do it. That's it. <laughs> very, very simple, but very, very simple. But very- yeah. I think that it's also important to note that just because someone else does something for self-care doesn't mean that's how you care for yourself. And maybe there are people that can go to the gym and just go to the gym and that's enough for them. But I know that for me, I prefer to have a structured class where there's Mm -hmm. a teacher and I know I can follow it because I enjoy that. I think it's fun. And I know that it's exciting to not know what's going to happen yet. And you just kind of got to understand and have again, that conversation with yourself and say, okay, what is it I want to try and just work from there. Uh, And I'm happy that you brought that up too, because I feel like a lot of the things when it comes to self-care you know, we get a lot of examples from either other people online, whatever the case may be. And if we stick to just the the gym analogy, that sometimes in my mind, I play with this idea of vanity or ego that am I really doing it for myself or am I doing exactly. it to hopefully get a, a picture or, or a video put together that I can post online and just show everybody like, hey, look at what I'm doing that plays in my head a lot too, that I just need to dial things back and just realize like, I'm doing this for my health, for my mental health, for my physical health. That's what comes first. And if something happens down the road where you want to 
help other people and show other people how to do certain things or whatever the case may be, then go for it. But the base will always be you're doing it for yourself. You know what, JR? That, and I'm, I'm rarely speechless. And so I think that I'm, I'm just really glad you pointed that out because I, vanity is such a problem in social media today and thinking, oh, I, I want to do these things or I post these things because I want validation and I want other people to see I'm doing it. And it's a very much longer road to happiness when you're taking that path. Mm -hmm. And when you have intention, actually to bring back to to my education here in my positive psychology class in college, we learned about this kind of topic. And there was a study that was done where they went to hotel maids, if you will, housekeepers, and they told them what they were doing is working out, like taking off the sheets, bringing it from room to room. And they said, think about your actions throughout your working out process. I mean, throughout your work process as working out. And they saw that physical changes in their bodies, even though they had, they were doing the things they've done for the past years and nothing has changed except their mindset about it. They started seeing those changes and they started seeing changes in their happiness and their energy levels. And it's because the way we think about why we're doing things and how we're doing things is just as important as what we're doing. And so it's one thing to go to the gym and post it on Snapchat and say, look at guys, I'm at the gym, be proud of me. (laughs) And it's another thing to say, wow, I'm excited to go to the gym because I'm getting to take care of my body and make myself stronger and healthier. And when, once you flip that approach and I'm still trying to flip that approach every day, you start having a better attitude and start having more energy to go do those things because you're telling yourself it's for a good reason. Right. I don't know. I'm speechless. <laughs> it's all so true. It, it really is. It, uh, it's just, it's strange sometimes how your mind can play tricks on you when you know yeah. yourself what's important, right? We just allow ourselves to cloud our judgment sometimes especially when it comes to things like this, that we know what the answers are, or at least we have an idea what the answer is, but we don't allow ourselves to go after that because we're too concerned about what others might think, how it would make other people feel, whatever the case may be, that it's important to kind of sit back again and just really ask yourself, why why are you doing this? And why are you doing this for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. On that note, the last part of physical self-care is nutrition. And I was just kind of thinking about how a lot of times I've heard people throw around the word self-care, like, oh, I bought a new jacket, self-care, like (laughs) making sure I'm happy, you know? (laughs) And I think that it's important to use the word the way it's intended to make sure that you are telling yourself the right reasons why you're doing things. Right. And nutrition is an interesting one, as is this whole category of physical self-care, because we all eat every day. And so to think about eating as self-care is something contrary, at least to me, to what I would expect self-care to be. But I also know from personal experience that there are times when I'm like, oh, I really want chocolate or pizza or like 
wine or something that I know isn't necessarily good for me. And self-care is actively choosing to not eat those things Mm -hmm. and to say, you know, I really do want chili cheese fries, but instead I'm going to have a sandwich and it's going to, you know, be a lot healthier for me. And I think that once you start looking at food and being more mindful about what you're putting in your body, that you're just like it intends, you're caring for yourself and how you're able to live. Can we just move on to the next one? Because my <laughs> uh, yes, a hundred percent, and I am guilty of not really focusing a lot on my nutrition, especially as of late. That is something that I want to have a better relationship with for myself. I think again, when things come up in your life, uh, especially re- revolving around depression, a lot of stuff for self care that is supposed to be good for you ends up leaving, and or just being um, too hard. Or just being too hard, exactly. That nutrition is one of those things where it's just easier for me to go get fast food versus trying to totally relate. make something healthy for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. But I will say though, on the back end of nutrition and and you know fueling your body with the things that are good for you, would you say that things like cheat meal or snacking on something that you have an indulgence of that you either desire that you really want, can that still be self-care in some aspect? Because I would assume that, you know, we all just can't eat salads every single day. Well, some people can, but, you know, (laughs) but still allowing yourself to (laughs) enjoy the things that you like to eat on occasion. Can that still be self-care? I have two thoughts on that. One being I hate the words cheat meal or am I indulgent snack or whatever you want to call it. I hate, like, I don't even, that's not my vocabulary and it shouldn't be in yours either. Shouldn't in, in yours in general to who's listening, because you don't want to look at your life as following rules for the point of following rules. Uh, I got you. And the reason I don't use those terms and my mom, she's going through like that whole journey right now. And she uses cheat meal a lot. And I'm like, don't look at it as a cheat meal. I want you to look at everything that you eat as I'm taking care of myself with this and, Mm. and always be positive about it. And if you're actively thinking about what's best for your body, that's the best you can do. And maybe that includes eating pizza. You know, maybe that includes whatever it is, but don't look at it as you're cheating because then you're telling yourself you're doing something wrong and you don't want to tell yourself that. And that's such a hard thing to, to adjust your attitude to because people are like, no, it is a cheat meal. Like you want yourself to think that it's like, and I'm like, listen, you're only on this planet for so long. Don't tell yourself (laughs) that you're a bad person for getting chocolate when you're craving chocolate. Cause we all have those days Mm -hmm. and Maybe there are days when I want to have, I want to eat out every meal. And I I know that that's not plausible. And that's something that I I personally have to work on too. But my first point is don't look at it as you're failing yourself or that you're, you're cheating the, like, don't look at it that way. Look at it as it is care for yourself because you are doing something that you think feel the need to do at that time. And that's okay. You know, as long as you do have the mentality of I want to do what's best for my body as, as most as I can in a way that isn't, I have to eat salad for lunch every day, because I think that that's not fun when you think about it either. (laughs) But on the flip side of that, I remember, and my mom is a therapist too. I don't know if I've ever said that on the show, but we talk a lot about different topics and how different people 
show their anxiety in different ways. And last year I was living with my grandparents. Well, I lived in Michigan and which is her, her parents. And my grandpa called her and was like, Ayla's eating a lot of candy and she's like (laughs) binge eating. And I'm just worried about her. Like, I don't, I don't like, don't know what to do with that. And my mom was explaining to him that when, and she's, she's the same way. And some people listening may feel the same way is that sometimes when we're anxious or nervous or sad, we kind of self comfort through food. And so sometimes our way of trying to minimize that stress in our body is through eating things that are pleasurable, even if they're not good for us. (laughs) And so we're like, Oh, I want to eat candy. or I just want to eat all day, all the snacks. And I want to be clear and careful about this because while you think you are minimizing that stress and caring for yourself in this way, it's, it's a short-term bandaid for what the problem actually is. And it's something that I definitely had to talk about in therapy. It wasn't an eating disorder and in that sort of light, but eating is definitely something that is a problem for a lot of people. And it's so hard, especially in America to get your nutrition, right? right. And I think that it's really important to just first have the attitude of food meaning to help you. And if you start realizing how food and how anything revolving your physical self-care connects to your mind, that's when you start having a different approach about it. Because when I think about what I want to eat for dinner, I do notice the difference of if I make my food at home versus when I eat fast food, my mood Mm -hmm. is very different after. And a lot of times we want to put that temporary bandaid, but self-care and every topic that we go through today is about choosing yourself in the long run more so than that temporary bandaid. I was mind blown right now. Like, yes, I, I, Agree with you. And thanks for sharing that story too. I think it's important to have that real world experience to kind of relate back to these topics. And I'll do the same as well as people have listened to the show. You know, I deal with an addiction of my own and that's a gambling addiction. So back in the day when things were really rough, food was always my comfort. So I would lose a lot of money one night And because the fast food joints around here in Vegas are open 24 hours, it was very easy to go find that comfort in those places. So food was always my coping mechanism Mm -hmm. when it came to my addiction. So I definitely understand the pleasure of feeding yourself with things that you enjoy, especially when times are tough, uh, because that's the only gratification that you can get. At least it was for me, you know, I I didn't find any solace. I didn't find any joy of losing that. The only way for me to win was through the food I was eating. So I definitely feel that there is a a comfort in that, that it was not a good thing for me to experience because every time now when I don't feel so good or I am depressed, that food is the, the first thing that I usually go to. Mm-hmm. So that's why I had brought up that idea of, you know, when I was using the word cheat meal or the indulgence, it, it, it's kind of a normal trigger for me to say something like that. But I'm glad that you had put it in the perspective that you did, because, mm-hmm. you know, just changing the way you say things, not only just for this, but in anything in life, it's meaningful, it's meaningful. It, it puts a different perspective on it and it allows you to not feel so bad or guilty. Exactly. 
in that sense. So I appreciate you for that. It's all about perspective. And that's our brains are a magical thing. And a lot of times you can trick your brain purely by just reframing what it is that you're doing or thinking about. And that's, that's what it is. Yeah. So on to that, the next type of self-care is emotional self-care. So we just went over physical and now we will go over the emotional aspect. And so this includes all of the following stress management, coping skills, compassion, therapy, journaling, and probably others that I didn't list here. Mm-hmm. And we're, we'll talk about each of those. But for me, something that kind of stood out was stress management. And I think a lot of times we will say, okay, self-care, it's taking a bath with a bath bomb and having a candle lit. And in each of the categories, we can see different things. It's really about making sure that you're managing your health in whatever category it be. And so with stress management, that's something that we don't usually pinpoint as what we're trying to relieve. Mm -hmm. But I feel like a lot of things that I do when it comes to self-care is really just trying to relax and try to de-stress, if you will. Yeah, I I like this a lot and been kind of uh, experiencing this more or trying to understand how to do this more in my life as of now. With me starting my own business, there's a lot of things now that I've never experienced before. One of them being not having a salary job to (laughs) rely on funds for, and now having to put all your effort into making whatever it is, this thing you want to be work. So a lot of that comes with stress because you just don't know what the outcome is going to be. You don't know what direction you're going to take that a lot of the times for me in order to manage that stress is really just kind of escaping from my apartment because this is where I do a lot of my thinking. This is where I do mm-hmm. a lot of the things for my business that getting away from my apartment has been really important. And lately what I've been doing is actually there's a park that's not too far away from here. You know, I usually just grab a coffee and I sit on the bench and I just sit there, you know, sometimes in silence, sometimes there's people around, but it just calms everything down, which I've never experienced before. Usually I'd be stuck in the stress or trying to figure out different ways to, to navigate while being in that space, that being away from this area and just being somewhere completely new and out in the open just allows me to just reset my thinking, which has been great. Yeah. I think that this topic in particular and all emotional self-care is probably the most individualized self-care section, because the way that you get rid of stress, is going to be different than the way that I do and versus someone else versus whoever. And I think that when you're thinking about stress management, it's really important that again, you're not putting a band-aid on things because in this topic, there's also coping skills. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, here in America and the world cope with drugs and mm-hmm. including alcohol, weed, whatever it is. And I think that a lot of them are like, okay, well, it does calm me down. A glass of wine at night does, you know, help me relax. And self-care, the distinction that I want to make here is that it's about doing it in a healthy way. And so if you know that you need to de-stress, what are ways that you can do that that are not on the flip side harming you? And I I don't care what anybody says about any health benefits, but there are more positive ways to to de-stress. And for you, 
going to the park ain't hurting nobody. Right. But for me personally, when I'm stressed, what I like to do is take a step back like that. And I also like to plan. And for me, like if I get a better picture of things, it helps me feel relieved because I feel like more in control. And so for my de-stressing, I like to clean because I like to feel like everything is orderly. I like to write down all the things I need to do and all the different parts of it. And once I can lay it out that way, it's no longer living in your head. And that's something actually my therapist told me when I was talking to her about stress management was that she said, when things are living in your brain, when a to-do list is living in your brain, it feels like way more things than it is. And it feels Mm. like such a heavier load. And the minute you write it down, you can let it leave your brain. And so it isn't taking up space and it isn't, you know, bothering you, telling you, look how big these tasks are. You can write it down. You can physically see, oh, there's only four things. It felt like 50 in my brain and it feels more manageable that way. And so for me, when I know that I'm overly stressed, that's what I like to do. You know, it brings me back to the episode we did previously about decluttering and, and giving yourself that space. That is also a stress management tool that I use is cleaning and decluttering. This week has not been the best week for me mentally. And I really took into consideration that episode that we did and, and knowing that there's just a lot of stuff in my space right now that I could get rid of that is yeah. not bringing me joy, is not helping me with the situation that I ended up taking a whole bunch of stuff out of my closet. I ended up moving some stuff around to which I ended up having two big piles of donation that I, I, I got out of my house, got rid of boxes that didn't matter anymore. And, you know, just seeing your space clutter-free, open, put away, whatever the case may be. It's relieving. Definitely just, yeah, it's, it's just a relieving sensation of just like, <sighs> okay. Yeah. Now <laughs> I got to send those pictures to you, by the way, because it, it was a mess. I will tell you that. Um, For those of you that did hear that episode, I did, like we mentioned in the episode, take some time and I ended up finding AirPods that I lost three months yeah. ago. <laughs> so it works. It's a, it's a good process. And, and there's so many different factors in taking care of all the different areas in your life, but Sometimes a clean space is a good first step. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you made that distinction too of, of doing these, these activities or what have you that are healthy for you. Because mm-hmm. there is a, a lot that we can do that we blur the lines, whether or not it's healthy for you, that it is important. Yeah. And so on the other, the ends of this spectrum, therapy, a hard step to take, but mm-hmm. a great, great significant point of self-care is choosing yourself and choosing to get better in whatever way it may be. Maybe it's a small facet of your life, or maybe it's just seeing if there is anything you can fix. I know a lot of people are like, eh, I'm fine, but there's always things that you can change your outlook on. And and maybe there's things that you didn't really realize were impeding you. And so I think therapy will always be something we go back to in every episode. Journaling is a great one. It's one that I wish that I could commit to more often. And another part of the positive psychology studies that I was able to look at during my time at UNLV was how it's difficult for us to maintain our interest in something when we're telling ourselves we have to do it every day because then things become a chore for us. And so you want to make sure whatever you're choosing for self-care that you do your best to not make it feel like a chore and 
a good way to do that is to not tell yourself you're a bad person for not doing it that day. Right. And also reminding yourself you can pick up the next day and you will pick up the next day because you don't want to just let it go, right? Journaling is one of those things for me. I really enjoy being able to let all the emotions out to just free up my mind, my space, and just let it go and be able to be completely honest. And it's something I don't do every day, but I definitely wish I would spend time, maybe even if just a page. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be a long time, or maybe it's 10 minutes that I dedicate in the morning or at night. I think that that's a great one and one that is constantly referenced. Yeah. Speaking of referencing, going back to our good episode that we did, this is exactly one of those things is we don't have to force ourselves to think that we have to write this novel every time we <laughs> open up yeah. our journal, you know? And also we don't have to make it something that we are zeroed in on either these thoughts that come about can just be random and that's okay you can be talking about one thing in one paragraph and then completely on the other side of things in the next paragraph it's just mm -hmm. whatever it comes to you that's what's important i personally love journaling i have tons of books laying around of ideas and and thoughts oh. and things that i have and that sometimes, you know, at the end of the year, I kind of like look back and, and kind of see where that progress is or no progress there. that could be either way, but mm -hmm. at least I understand where I'm coming from as a person and who JR is, you know, in that given time and where I'm at now. So yeah. journaling has definitely been a, a powerful tool for me as far as self-care goes. And like you said, it's your opportunity to be as honest with yourself. Maybe sometimes we kind of hold things back from our parents or our friends because, you know, we're not ready to talk about it, but sometimes we're able to talk about it with ourselves that be being able to put that into words on paper for yourself to see and, and only yourself to see can be kind of a revealing and therapeutic thing. And going yeah. back to therapy as well, you know, me and everybody knows us, <laughs> we are hundred <laughs> percent behind therapy. Like I was mentioning before, the past couple of weeks haven't been that great for me. And I made it a point to make sure I go to therapy. Yeah. So in the past two weeks, I've gone to two therapy sessions that have actually revealed more than I had expected to reveal for myself and actually is beneficial because I have something new for me to comprehend, to understand about myself. There are days after therapy where I don't feel so good. You know, I, I get into a certain state where, you know, I have to deal with those emotions and, and sometimes it can be a lot, but therapy allows me to understand those sides of myself that I haven't seen before that will ultimately make me a better person in the end. Yeah. And I think that I'm glad you mentioned that. And I don't want to, I could go on for an hour. Maybe it's an, an episode worthy. I remember having a friend that pointed out that one of our mutual friends seems to feel drained or just kind of shy or sad after therapy. And he was like, I thought therapy was supposed to be good for you. I thought, <laughs> and I was like, therapy isn't something you go to. And that hour you're, you come out of it and you're like, wow, I see the light. Like <laughs> everything <laughs> yeah. is different. It is draining and it is a lot to work through. But like I mentioned, self-care is hard and 
there are times when it's more difficult than others. And especially with therapy, you're doing something for your long-term happiness. That is something that's a perfect example of not putting a Band-Aid on things and trying to just hope that underneath the Band-Aid, it goes away. And yeah, I'm, I'll always be an advocate. I just wish it was more accessible to people. Yeah, I, I hope and, and wish that one day it will be, or there are more foundations, nonprofits, charities that provide that service for a minimal cost or free at one point. Because I do believe that therapy is good for a lot of people. And if you're on the fence of whether or not to do it, I'd say go on to the other side and do it at least once, just so you have that experience. And, you know, it's just a good And if you choose not to do it at the beginning of your self-discovery journey, you're going to want to eventually. It's just a part of the process. And it's a fun part, in my opinion. It's a lot of work, but you learn so much about yourself in that time. And I'm glad that it's mentioned on this list here. And finally, I'm not going to talk about it too much since we have a whole episode dedicated to it, but compassion is something so powerful. And it's really just about not guilt tripping yourself so much because you understand you're human. And a lot of times you want to say, oh, I'm not a millionaire. I don't own my home. I'm not in the job, like all these million things to put ourselves down. Or I wasn't instantly good at this. So I'm a failure and it's just horrible. It's about having the care for yourself to say, it's okay. It's okay. And that it doesn't mean anything, but what I'm allowing it to mean. And I'm caring for myself as if I would care for another person. And I think that compassion, there's a reason we have a whole episode on it. It's something super important. And yeah. Yeah. Such a simple phrase. It's okay. But so powerful in the same breath, you know, that it's okay that you're in the situation that you are, or you're in the position that you are, or this part of your life, or even, you know, when we talk about mental health a lot, it's okay not to be okay. And you giving yourself that compassion, giving yourself that love to know that, you know, things will be better, or at least you can figure out what needs to be done in order to get better is so important for your self-care. So we just went over physical self-care, emotional self-care, and next we will go over social self-care. And this is something I've actually never heard of before. I've never put it into a category like this, but these are all things that matter to your social well-being. And those things are boundaries, a support system, positive social media, and friends. And I mean, we can talk a lot about all four of these. (laughs) We've talked about boundaries before. We have a whole episode. And and so we don't need to talk about that much. But all four of these things are really about understanding the effect of having just a positive circle and a surrounding that really is a supportive surrounding for you. Yes, I agree. Uh, I think it's important to have uh, those types of connections with people that really at the end of it all is, is that their understanding of you during this time, you know, as social of a person that I am, there are times where I just want to be on my own. There are times where I need to step back a little bit in order for me to focus on what my self-care is, that I have a great group of people around me that understand that and that know it's okay that Jared's is not around for a little while, you know, and, and are still supportive even from a distance. 
And I think that that is very important for your self-care and yourself, you know, your well-being, because you know that not only are you doing things for yourself to get you into a better space, but you know that there are people that are close to you that understand you, that see you, that know you, and that are going to be there for you when you're ready. Yeah, there's two things that I think of here. One, that it's self-care to make sure you're surrounding yourself with people that you know support you and are there for you. But it is also self-care to make sure that you are spending time with other people. And this is something JR and I talked about this past mental health break. And it's something that for me as an introvert is something I'm very, very loose and ready to let go of. I will be quick to say, I don't need to see my friends. Like I I can just sit in my room, lay with my cats. It's fine. Like, and I'm happy doing that, but a big part of happiness and the psychology of happiness is that we are social creatures. And as much as you want to say you're an introvert and you like being alone and you want to be alone, it is so, so important to have people around you and to remind yourself that like life is full of life and there's beauty in that. And so I think, and this is something I really struggle with is scheduling time to be with other people or be around other people, because a lot of times I will just be at home and be a hermit and think that it's okay. And that's something I can sacrifice. And it's definitely hard, at least for me to convince myself that this is something I need to do. Yeah. And, you know, like Ayla had said earlier, we've been talking during the mental health break that we took for the show and and for ourselves. And I will say that the the words that you had said and, and guiding me a little bit during that time, I really appreciate. And this is a perfect example of what you're talking about of you know, taking that time to talk to people, to be around people, because it shows you how loved you are or how much love there is that even a simple couple text messages between the both of us helped me quite a bit during that time, because I was very adamant about taking that time for myself and and self-isolating to try and focus on what I need for, for me, that just showing that you were there and, and, available and able to provide some type of outlook or advice was really important for well, like we've been talking about is, is my self-care is knowing mm-hmm. that there are people that are out there that care for you and that support you. So I appreciate that a lot. I'm glad. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I overstepped or not, but I'm glad no, that you found no. solace in it. And I think that it's easy when we're feeling down to just want to be by ourselves and think, and I think that that comes from not wanting to bother people and wanting to just figure it out and say, I'm strong enough to figure it out on my own. But there's such, there's such a power to confiding in other people and, and remembering that what life has to offer. Because for me, when I'm sad, I just want to stay in my room and I want to just cry and sleep. Like that's it. In that mental state, I am not thinking about how exciting life can be. And that's why for me, at least, I see when it's important to go out. And my sister's the opposite of me. She completely loves going out. She'll go out at 1 a.m. to the strip if she wants to. Like, (laughs) And I I don't have the energy to do that. But when I'm sad, I make it an effort to to go out even when I don't feel like it. So Mm -hmm. even when I'm like, oh, I don't have the energy to go to Walmart or go to the mall, 
my friends are going and they, they invited me and I don't want to, like, I pushed myself anyway, because I know how important it is and how it reminds me that, wow, like there's other people in my life that I'm friends with. And I forgot how much I enjoyed their company and I had fun today. And I, you know, like there's so much that goes into it. And I think that it's something that at least as introverts, people underestimate. I'm glad that you say this and I'm glad that you had said this to me too, because I kind of consider myself as a social introvert that even though I love being around people and hanging out and going out, I just as much love being home and and to myself and, and, and doing that. But there is an importance there that when times are tough, days are dark, that it's nice to know that there are people around there that are there for you. And even if it's a text message here, a phone call, going to go meet up for coffee, whatever the case may be, it's that reassurance of knowing that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really important for your mental health. Definitely. And again, could do a whole episode on this, but just a point to be made. And I think I learned this my first year of psychology, but an introvert doesn't mean someone that's shy or someone that doesn't enjoy being around people. And I think that society has made them out to be that way right. as people that want to be alone and want to read books and not talk to anybody. Introversion and extroversion is about where you get your energy from. And so extroverted people actually refuel around people. Like the more they're around people, the more energy they get. Introverts are the opposite. When they're around people, they drain Drain. really fast. They still enjoy being around them, but they can't keep refueling that energy and they do get tired while they're hanging out with people. They need to refuel by having time alone and getting energized and then they can go back out again and have fun. And I've always felt like whenever I say I'm an introvert, people are like, oh, so you're saying you're shy and that you, I don't think you're shy. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, where did that come from? I don't know where it came from either, but I always thought that's what it meant until I got into college. So yeah, it's okay to think like social extrovert because I mean, introvert, it's just about where you get your energy from. (laughs) Speaking about energy, we've been talking for a long time and I think this might be the first time (laughs) we do a two-part episode because there's just so much within self-care that we can talk about and what we have been talking about and we ain't done folks. Okay. (laughs) We aren't done. And so we will be doing a two-part episode where this will be the first part of self-care. And then we will continue on the episode with the remainders of the different types of self-care. And these include spiritual, personal, space, financial, and work self-care. And so if you did enjoy today's episode and you do want to hear the rest of what we have to say about self-care, then please join us next week. And we will be back with talking about self-care. Yes. And we want to hear from you. Leave us a comment on Instagram, Twitter, at the LY Foundation, or on Facebook, facebook.com, the LY Foundation. Let us know what you thought about today's first part episode of self-care and what it means to you. Also, please leave us a review of the LYF podcast. That way we can continue producing more content and growing the show. Thank you for listening to the conversation. And until next time, love yourself, love one another, and love this planet we call home.
Hello, and welcome to the LYF podcast. This podcast is provided to you by the Love Yourself Foundation, which is an organization here spreading the message of love and more specifically self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has not only in building a better relationship with yourself, but also with your community and with our beautiful planet. We're here to tell you that we're all one. All living beings are connected to each other, to the universe. So we're going to be talking about important topics like mental health, environmental issues, and tying it all back into the self and ways that you can not only empower your relationship with yourself, but also empower your relationship with your community and with our beautiful planet. So if you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at the LY Foundation. You can also check out our website at the lyfoundation.org. And we have a very special new addition to what we're doing. We now have a membership program called the Lifeline Membership Program, which offers support calls, group support calls, free admission to our events, workshops, specialized merch. So we also have special discounts going for students, teachers, frontline workers. So if you want to hear more about this, please go to our website at the LY Foundation slash membership for more info. Thanks for tuning in.